You know, when you meet someone and you automatically drop in and connect with them as if you've known each other forever. Well, that's exactly what happened to me in this episode of the Karmic Warrior podcast. You're in for a real treat as I sit down with Mary Jo Lorai, self-mastery mentor and author of the book Practical Inspirations. In this conversation, we talk about what it means for you to meet you with humor and love and how your relationship with yourself informs how you relate to others and how you relate to life. We also talk about leaning into painful experiences and knowing what types of personal and spiritual growth tools you need on your journey to awakening to who you really are. So stay tuned. Warriors, welcome to the Karmic Warrior Podcast, where we talk all about living an extraordinary life by practicing time-proven and tested teachings of yoga, wisdom, traditions. I am your host, Lisa Ingalls Witter, and the goal of this podcast is super simple, just to make it easier than ever before for anyone to find happiness and fulfillment in their everyday life using wisdom teachings that have already been passed down to us for millennia and to occasionally dispel many of the popular myths that are out there, especially in new age spirituality that hold us back without our even knowing. So be sure to subscribe to the podcast here on YouTube and anywhere that you can find podcasts. And if you enjoy this podcast, please do leave a review on iTunes. One of the biggest challenges that clients I have come to me with is that they find themselves stuck and repeating those same lessons in life over and over again. And they're often frustrated. They feel at a loss because they've done years of the work. They've done therapy. They've done coaching. They've done spiritual practices, but they're still struggling with the same unhealthy relationships, or maybe they feel like they should be further along in life than they are personally or professionally or spiritually. So if you can relate to that, then I invite you to head on over to www.karmic-warrior.com to grab my free report on why you keep getting handed that one lesson in life, even if you've spent years doing the work. In this free report, I reveal to you the secret about harnessing the law of karma to finally break free of that one lesson so that you can live a freer, fuller life right now. And I put the link in the description below. And now my conversation with Mary Jo Lorai. Mary Jo Lorai, welcome to the Karmic Warrior Podcast. It's so wonderful to have you here. Thank you, thank you, thank you. It is so wonderful to be here, and uh, and I and I actually do feel so welcomed by you. Oh, now you're in LA, right? Uh, actually, Ventura. Ventura. So okay, cool. Yeah. So we're both holding down the California. We're holding down the state. You got the. The Southern, I got the Northern. We're just holding <laughs> it down here. <laughs> we're the we're the bookends, keeping it keeping it in there. That's right. And speaking of books, I just got your wonderful yeah. book, Practical Inspirations. Here it is. Uh, for those of you watching on YouTube, for those of you that are listening, sorry, you can't see, but I'm holding up the book, Practical Inspirations. Which I'm just gonna do this now, so I don't forget on the ticker. Go get Mary Jo's book on Amazon, Practical Inspirations. It's wonderful. 
Oh my God, Mary Jo. So I just have to tell our viewers and our listeners, um, this book is witty, it's wise, it's like just filled with great nuggets. You're, who you are actually shows through. So, I mean, it's like, it's all, it's Mary Jo, but it's speaking right to the heart of, of all of us. At least that's how I felt when <laughs> I read it. So um, thank you so much for this book. And what I, I thought I'd love to start out because this is truly what this book does, um, and this is for the listeners. Um, what Mary Jo says is that this book is about you meeting you with love, humor, and just to be able to hear your own voice. And I really think that that's what it does. But where I thought we could start our conversation, Mary Jo, is on what the heck do you mean by mm. you meeting you? <laughs> Thank you to give the opportunity to clarify that. Uh, I'm going to resist the, you know, guru temptation. It means whatever you want it to mean. Uh, <laughs> but what I, the, the, the purpose of the book and when it actually started to really take shape, because I tried to write it so many times and it was clunky and it did feel good. And then suddenly when the purpose became clear is I'm not writing a book for people to hear me. I'm writing a book for people to hear them. Because really how we digest things, how we react to things, how we, it, um, activate and interact with things tells us more about us. Yeah. The other thing will be the stimuli, but what we adhere to, you know, the old, the nine blind men with the elephant, you know, it's, it's what I, that part I'm interacting with tells me about where I'm currently at. So once I started getting clear about that, I just wanted to offer some stimulation and opportunities for the reader, AKA the listener to hear themselves in a heightened way or through an alternate lens than they normally do because we get really automated and we're inundated with chaotic noise. So oftentimes in clients I work with, the workshops I do, people have a, a sense of muddledness, which voice in here is mine? How, yeah. how do I know which one's me? So this book really, You Meet You, is a chance to when you react to or what you hear arise inside as you read the words or try on the concept, that's it. That's what the book is for. That's the purpose of that. And the relationship with self is really, in my humble opinion, why we're here. It's yeah. growing that relationship and understanding who I am is the maturation process that lasts from first breath to last breath. So this, you meet you through these words, through these ideas, through these concepts. And uh, I just recently got somebody reached out that had the book and wanted to let me know they've taken it on them. They, they did the year plan because it's designed to do it whatever pace you want to do it. And she's doing one a week for, uh, for year. the year. Yeah. And she said, every morning when I read it, I catch some different angle. I catch some different sense of me because one morning I was having a really bad morning. One morning I was having a really good morning. One morning I was rested. One morning I wasn't. And, and as the week progressed, I was already starting to open up some ideas because of what I had encountered on Sunday and Monday. So by Thursday and Friday, I was hearing something else new. And it was like sitting down to have a cup of coffee with me every day and having a real <laughs> conversation. And yeah. I, I mean, uh, I, I just, I, I wept for about an hour after I read this email because it was hearing from someone else 
that the that the purpose was not only alive but creating something like really giving somebody what I so longed for for all of us yeah and you touch on something so important that we're so well I would say in today's world we're either so busy because of whatever life right or we're overwhelmed because we're dealing with crisis whether it's you know we're just coming out of the pandemic at the time of this recording or you know, there's wars happening, right? Again, time of this recording, it's Ukraine. There's something, there's always these things external to us that, that are so loud and so noisy that we don't have the ability to hear ourselves and to meet ourselves in the way that you're talking about. And what I really love about the, your book is that in each one of these practical inspirations, you're, you're setting forth an idea or a question, something to contemplate. And in yoga tradition, this is this is huge. This is like the path of awakening. Um, part of you know, so there's awakening and liberation. But in in the awakening part, those practices are all about something that you mentioned, which mm-hmm. is discovering who I really am, right? And and to discover who I really am takes a little bit of time like this woman that you're you're talking about that commitment to sit down and contemplate every day have something um rich enough to contemplate that is a pointer towards the truth of who you are because no words can really describe uh the truth they're just pointers to the truth but i think i believe that so great. what a great way of saying that yeah. And what you do in your book is just that. I just feel like they are sh- such great pointers towards the truth. And what that does when it's a, when you recognize it as a pointer towards the truth, you realize um, something that you are saying, which is um, this isn't about, you know, me telling people who they are and what they are, but having them meet themselves. And it's just, it's really, really yeah, beautiful. I love it. I just love oh, it. Thank you so <laughs> much. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. And I, what I want to do is, you know, because this is about you meeting you, <laughs> of course, this is, there are some really great nuggets that you have in your book about relationships, right? And um, you have, you know, Let's do this together. Okay. Let's, let's meet ourselves because you're saying this is about you meeting you. So let's take a moment. Well, why here. not? Why? Why? Why not have me meet me? You meet me. You meet you exactly. in the company of us. Exactly. So life is all about relationships, mm-hmm. right? Yes, it is. And, and I say this all the time because I do relationship work a lot, and we have this this we almost narrow it down as soon as you say relationship, we think primary relationship, family relationship, when really all of life is how I'm relating. Absolutely. I'm in relationship with everything all the time, whether I'm active in it or not. So relationship really is the core and foundation of what we do as human beings. And to limit it to the relationship I'm going to work on is this one instead of the relationship of how I'm relating, me with me, me with you, us with them, me with life, 
Uh, I've been, you know, currently I'm 57. So my relationship with my body, because it's been a long-term relationship and it's changing and what's being offered is different and how I'm relating has been so mind blowing in, in traveling through these years right now, having to let go of what used to be and welcome what currently is and then building from there. So that to me, relationship is lifeblood. So anything that I can funnel through the lens of relationship, I think just brings life. Absolutely. One of the things that I, I say in my work is that when wherever you are experiencing a disrupted relationship, whether it's with others or, you know, especially with others, it's a, it's a symptom of a disrupted relationship with mm. yourself and therefore also with the divine so we always begin with that relationship to ourselves and the nature of the way in which we relate to the situation, circumstances, and events that arise in our life. And I love this one, um, I mean, you, you know, all 52 of them are beautiful, but this one that you have is you, you implicitly just pointed to it, which is the long, you call it the longest relationship. <laughs> Can you, let's talk about that for a minute. Okay. The longest relationship. And every time I say it, it just, it delights me. It makes me laugh. And then there's this kind of dropping in of the, like I can hear the, the vibration of the gong that got hit every time I say it too, because there's a real depth to this and it seems so simple. And yet it's such a wake up call because we forget the longest relationship you will ever be in is with you. Yeah. Cause it's the one that's going to last first breath to last breath. And yet we forget that or don't pay attention to that. Don't tend to it. Like we do other relationships when, man, you want to learn about long-term relationship. That's, that's the one that's going to teach you more than any other. <laughs> it is. And it's the one that I think we most often don't want to look at. We want to project and go, oh, I need to work on my relationship with my mom and my dad because I have mommy daddy issues. Or I need to work on the relationship with my spouse because they're driving me crazy or my boss because they're bringing up these things. And we project out there instead of looking again at that relationship to ourself and how right. our relationship to ourself is actually affecting our relationship mm -hmm. to, to life. Right. And it's, you know, to, to, to do the old vows of the common vows of wedding ceremony. And it's what I believe. And this is the one of the relationships I think it gets most heightened to. As soon as I quit saying I do, it becomes I did. So if I don't say I do every day, my vows become past tense, become, yeah, I'm still walking by your side, but I'm living in yesterday's promise. So wow. anytime, wow. yeah, that that can wake up to, oh yeah, I say I do today. Not because I said I do 25 years ago, but I'm saying I do today. Yes. And then what that brings. Yes. I love this. So this reminds me of, um, of love because now we're talking about relationships and and so the way I define love is, and I heard this from a colleague, so it's not mine, uh, but I think it's so beautiful, which is that love is a perception. It's our ability to see and perceive the true nature 
of ourselves and others free of stories, free of conditioning. But love also is something else. It's this unconditional open-heartedness and ability to, now in your words, I'm going to say, I do. To say, I do to everything that life presents us, <laughs> right? Like, yes, as opposed to negating it, mm-hmm. say yes to it in the same way that a mother says yes to all of her children, despite their flaws and their their short their shortcomings. Well, you know, a, a healthy mother. <laughs> but you know, you know what I'm saying. Like, yeah. there's I love that saying I do. Right now, this That's moment, every moment, I do. Yes, I do. Yes, I do. No matter what's happening, mm-hmm. right? Brings me alive, brings me present, has me be in the active role of what I am and what I'm growing. So that that's so powerful. And, 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 and you have a you have a really incredible ability to do that in both your the, the teachings you do around yoga and even I mean, I, I just got to say this karmic warrior, like every time I encountered the name after I met you and and it just. I have been so inspired by you're the warrior that takes the armor down instead of picks the weapon up. Yeah. That just your, your ability and your agility in that, and then your clarity about it. uh, It just, it's so supportive to the practitioners and other people that listen to you, me in particular, because there's a real safety here. Like, yeah, here's the place where I do want to take it down, even with the concepts or the, mm. the things that you presence. So just want to say thank you for that, because that's been really fun to walk with since we since we first encountered each other. That Thank you so much for that. And you bring up something that's that is critical to this whole journey of life and relationship with ourselves, which is safety. I mean, unless we feel safe, we're not it's very hard to explore these parts of ourselves that remain hidden mm-hmm. in the shadows or that we want to cover up or that we want to go, mm, uh, I don't want to look at that. Right. It's, it's either, oh, which, which brings me to, I want to get to this one because I love this one. <laughs> Did I say that loud enough? I love you. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not going to tell you to quiet it. Yeah. Okay. Okay. <laughs> um, resisting pain increases suffering. This is one of Mary Jo's practical inspirations too. And I think that this is so critical. I mean, I'm, I'm tying it into the safety piece because we resist pain because we don't feel safe, mm-hmm. right? Like that's yeah. that's part of it. Sure. Um, but let's, let's resist connection that. and the projection yeah. of future pain and pain can't happen. And there is a certain survival brain that comes into that. So I, again, really want to open up that permission for people to go, yeah, of course you're going to react that way. There's a certain chemistry that we've got going that says, no, 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 bad, 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 because it's survival brain. Right. But in our maturation and in our more consciousness to move from that part of the brain into up here, instead of saying pain can't be, because as soon as pain can't be, as soon as it starts to enter into the field or into the experience, there's a, yes. And then 
pain's wrong. So now I'm not only having the pain, I'm having the reaction to the pain that pain shouldn't be. And there's something to fix or something wrong with me or, 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 and we pile it on and pile it on and pile it on and pile it on. And there's so many examples out there of when we give up the resistance to pain, people actually think the pain go is lessened, mm -hmm. but it's actually the echo of the pain that had become the suffering that quiets. Oh, I love that. Yes. The echo of the pain that becomes the suffering. It's our rumination in the memory, in the past, the dwelling and the regret and the whatever of it. I love that. It's so, so we really get into that loop of now I'm not only having that. And of course, you know, the promise of enlightenment isn't no, isn't pain free. Before right. enlightenment, no. there's pain and suffering. After enlightenment, no. there is no suffering. I actually just did a leadership weekend this past weekend, and uh, that actually came into the room and it showed up. And you know, my my guides, whatever, just said, "Hey, bring that one in." And it was like this whole explosion because some of them had heard it before, some of them had never heard of it before, but hearing it in this environment in that moment was so, oh my god! You know, it's the difference sometimes between you know. A birthing story that's a nightmare and orgasmic birth. Yeah. You know, our bodies will teach us like, yeah, you resist that and you're just going to make it a lot harder than it is. Yeah. Oh no, shouldn't be. What did I do to deserve this? And those internal drives getting triggered. If I can just go, oh, well, there, there's pain here. And there was a, uh, years ago, I don't do it anymore, but uh, it was in jujitsu for a while. And it was that my my sensei teaching what we are trained to do when we fall is to go back away. Mm -hmm. Like you're falling, you put your arms down and what, and the head goes. So now the most vulnerable part of me is as far away from the hit as possible for maximum velocity when it does. Right. Oh my God. So yeah. you have to, she had us, we had to override that the first six months and fall, go lean oh. into a fall, lean into the fall, what go with it. And when you fall into it, it's a whole different result. And that that's part of that inspiration too about the pain. Don't don't wish it on you. Don't don't want to increase it for anyone ever. That's not what I'm about. And I'm not saying you know just suck it up either. I'm saying pain is going to be a part of life. And if you could be again, even in relationship too, what is it? What's it for? What's it bringing? What's its purpose? Yes. Yeah, we go back to relationship. What is our relationship with pain? How do we approach it? And in, in Buddhism, of course, they say that pain is inevitable. It's suffering that is, is what we can overcome. And, you know, this reminds me that the other thing that causes suffering is resistance to pleasure. Mm. That there are times when everything that you're saying, you know, the resistance, I, I, I want to resist this pain. I don't, I have an aversion to it, but there's also those times. And I remember them when I was younger and felt like I was really not worthy and deserving and times of intense love being seen by someone in a way that's so intensely loving that it, it, it was too scary for me mm -hmm. to, to receive and I would turn away from it. So in the same way, um, resisting intense pleasure 
can cause suffering as well. And in, in yoga tradition, that is um, either one of those experiences of resisting pain or, or pleasure creates what are called samskaras in our emotional body, these unresolved emotional uh, experiences and conflicts. And that is actually what causes us to create the same situation over and over and over right. and, 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 and again the and karmic again, and again because again yeah. now i'm going to prevent it from ever happening again so anything that looks like smells like sounds like it yes triggers that reaction again yes and then we do yeah. keep looping it and then wondering why we're stuck in that loop and there's something uh like one of the practices when i do the somatic work with people i take the word pain off the table yes I really that. it doesn't mean anything no, it's just a label. the word itself triggers in us something wrong. So when we discuss, you know, yeah, well, I'm, my shoulders are hurting or I have pain. Take that word out. Now you got to describe what's the actual experience you're having. What are the and and for the body, I go in for the sensations. And then once you kind of learn that practice through the body, then you can start to apply it to the emotional body and the, even the intellectual body because pain automatically. Eh, 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 emergency when <laughs> no what i'm actually experiencing right now is a real heaviness there's a strong heat and i can feel a dropping sensation oh now all of a sudden like there's all this there's all this possibility in exploring what's actually happening and i've had people walk themselves out of migraine headaches menstrual cramps mm -hmm. long term injury and one of my favorites what I believe has been handed down in my genetic makeup because mm -hmm. all of us have bad knees in our family. Yeah. Start to describe the sensations. Yeah. And then suddenly there was like, Oh my God, that's setting down of what I'm expecting so I can meet what is. And the quote unquote pain dissipated because it lost its title. It lost its power. Yes. It, this is what you described is exactly the process for dissolving samskaras. That's exactly what I do with clients too. The same thing. The, the, the somatic work is, is critical in this entire project of, for yoga, of awakening and liberation. You, you need the liberation work requires somatically addressing it, not addressing it with another story or another, you know, mm -hmm. trying to switch the word pain to, um, oh, it feels good or what I can't think of the word, any words, but you know, it's just another label. So what does that mean? And so it doesn't, none of those labels help us. Right. In the healing process. Well, and the label stops the curiosity. Yes, absolutely. The exploration, oh. the, what might be here. Yeah. Yeah. It's so true. So great. Yeah, I love it. So one of the other things, and I could talk to you for 52 hours, probably. <laughs> okay, I'm in. I know. Um, but I, I want to do one more, one more topic here. And that is um, the one that you have about tools. So you, the, you call it, before I reach for a tool, I have to know what I want to build or I want to know what I want to build. I love this. Um, 
and I'm gonna I'm gonna let you talk about it a little. I think this one is is so important for anybody who's on the path of self improvement, personal development, or spiritual, uh, you know, awakening. This is critical. This is critical. Well, it's funny because that was a big part of where that one got birthed from, because there is a certain consumerism now around self development, self awareness, and even spirituality. Absolutely. So I will become a tool collector as if now that's what my purpose was, was to fill my tool belt. Now the tool belt is for what you're actually going to create, what you actually want to build, what you actually want to bring to life or have it go to the next level. And that intentionality piece and that purpose piece is missed is, yeah, I have the best tool on the planet. I have the you know, number one, I went to Home Depot and I spent a ton of money, but, and that's when I explore that in, in, in the deepening of that is, you know, can you imagine going and asking somebody for the best tool ever? What would be the first question they'd ask you at Home Depot? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, what are you going to build? I don't know. I don't know, but I just want the best tool. Yeah. They'd be like, oh, um, can we get security to aisle seven, please? <laughs> and yet we do it, we do it with these kinds of things. And when I when I've held people's hands in that, don't make yourself wrong for how many, you know, books you have and that you still make the same mistakes or you're still in the same place, or because when I press, you're not. But some of your old conditioning has come with you into these this new level of you. And instead of meeting that as, again, your teacher or your guide, or now what you're going to uncover at this new level, that if you are reaching for another tool, because with another tool, I'll fix me. Like, I love when someone wake up, wakes up to that. Yeah. I'm actually trying to acquire tools to fix me. What if you're not broken? Right. Yeah, it's, it's, it's a big one. Yeah. It's so huge. It's, it's so, so huge. huge. It's so huge. And that work, and again, where you and I parallel so, so much so is that the true self is always there. It's not always reflected in the action, thoughts, and deeds. And, and that's where practice comes in and the uncovering and the listening for what is true about who I am in the sense of who I was born to be. Mm-hmm. And then the responsibility and good news when I become aware of who I've become. Yeah. Because that's such a powerful place to be. As soon as I recognize that and see that, and it's always good news when you hear it, because anything that's been habitualized in can be transformed by habitualizing towards something that serves the greater purpose or the greater who you are. Yeah. Yes. Does that make sense? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Everything you make sense. And for listeners who, who've been with me for a while, they, they get tired of, I'm sure, tired of me saying this analogy, but it's just a, to me, a good one that works. It's like I coached runners for 20 years and, you know, we would do track workouts once a week and I would have everyone from you know, people doing 5Ks to people doing marathons and ultra marathons, but I get, they're all runners. They all want to run, but they have different goals. I would never give a marathoner the same workout I would give, you know, a 5K, 10K person, right? Mm -hmm. They're both runners. So that's still not even enough information for you to tell me you're a runner. 
I need to know, but what type of runner are you? Are you a sprinter? Are you a mid distance? Are you a long distance runner? And then I can give you the practices for that particular goal. And so often, so many times, and and this is like, literally, I would, uh, this is back in the days when I was a a triathlon coach, I'd have triathletes come to me. Oh, I, I just, I'm, I'm going to train for this. And this is what I'm doing for my, why are you doing that? Why are you doing what you're doing? Always ask yourself, why are you doing this? The what is the purpose? What's why the ultimate? You, yes. Like, why are you doing that? Like, do you even know why you're doing that workout? Because that's the wrong workout for you to be doing. Well, so, there's, yeah. Sorry, go ahead. I'm just no, kidding. no, go ahead. Because even a tool like, and, and this client is from years ago, and I had her 100% permission, please keep telling the story because it was such a game changer for me. The tool of a diet. A diet? She wanted to be on a diet. She wanted to okay, lose weight. Yeah. She came right, to me yes. because she was like really serious about this thing. And, you know, I, I want to lose weight. I want to lose weight. I want to lose weight. So her, you know, and the tools are to diet, to exercise, to do all, you know, it's not, right. it's not magic. We all know what, no. what, what it really takes. <laughs> exactly. So then when it came down to, well, why? Well, why? Because that's where I pressed because she'd been doing this for years, like decades in this dance because I want to lose weight. Well, you do. Well, what do you mean? I go, you've lost weight and probably gained it back every day since you've been born. (laughs) So if losing weight is the purpose, done. What else? And then it was like, then this, we got into that, that intimacy and rawness of, she had felt wrong her whole life for being the size she was. So she wasn't building anything. She was fixing something that's broken. So again, walking it through that process. What if you're not broken? This is where you currently are. What do you want to build? Yeah. Like the ultimate, if you were to have what you wanted, well, right. I want to be healthy. Okay. So let's talk about creating health instead of losing weight. If you were healthy, what would happen? I would feel better and I would enjoy the way my clothes fit and I'd have more energy. Now, all of a sudden, those were the goals. The goals was to have more energy, to feel good in her clothes, and to feel good in her body. She lost 15 pounds within two months. Not because the actions wildly changed, but how she brought herself to the actions. So the tools were still there, but she was holding them differently because there was a different purpose. And Mm -hmm. I just can't say it enough. Human beings have such a higher, fine-tuned power when they're building versus preventing. Yeah. They're building versus correcting. Right. Absolutely. And one of the things that I've discovered probably in the very much the same way you have in your work is with my clients of of not giving up on, on getting to the why, the bottom why, like what really is your motivation? Mm-hmm. What keep going, keep going. You think that's your why, but there's probably something and let's keep digging until we find out. And um, I love this because in, in yoga, there are these four um, desires, I guess you might, they're, they're sort of taught in different ways, either as desires or purposes, but we'll say for the for our all intents and purposes of what we're talking about, what do we desire? And the first category is we desire sensory pleasures. Like 
I want to eat that yummy meal. I want to go out and get that massage. I want to go listen to a great concert. Great. Those are all great things. That's one desire. The next desire is the desire for um, success, um, power, and wealth. And in yoga, these are all of these are good. Like it's okay. Mm -hmm. Like there's no renunciation of these things. You're these are things that yes, they're they're great to have. And then the next one is the desire for um, purpose and meaning. And then what the the final desire that in yoga tradition says is the mean the the desire to know the truth of who we really are awakening that at some point we get to the realization that everything that I want in my life is for one thing because I want to be happy and that that when we realize that whether it's you know running that 10k in 40 minutes um, or you know making, a million dollars or whatever it is. And you think that that's the thing that you really want for whatever, when you dig underneath it all, really what you want is to be happy. And when you dig underneath, how do I be happy is exactly the work that you do and that I do, which is discover the answer to the question, who am I? Mm-hmm. And embody that. And you will Especially find those moments. Cause as you were talking about that, you know, I just heard it so loud and clear, and it could be one of you all that's listening right now that's, you know, I'm preemptively knowing that this is to come for you. But it is that those things, like, especially when you talk about, because I love that, that, you know, yoga doesn't make power and wealth and success, you know, wrong, because it isn't. Right. But look at the underneath motivation for what it is. If it's to make up for what I think is missing in me, it'll be off kilter. Yeah. If it is to, so that I can hide behind that. So nobody actually finds out how worthless I really am. That will skew the results. You know, that, that drive, that motivation for those things is what makes those bad words. And especially, and I, I, and I love that you're so bold about it because it can be sometimes frowned upon in spiritual communities that, you know, we're not supposed to, you know, seek the pleasures and all of that, you know, I've got a Catholic background. I popped out of my mouth recently. Oh, I'm going to offer up my suffering for others. Cause that's like a very noble thing to do in Christianity is I will suffer, but I will suffer on behalf of others. And somehow we've, we've, we've given it, uh, some nobility to that, but that to understand that, cause in that seeking the happiness, if I don't have that knowing of self, if that's not being developed too, then I'm trying to fill in gaps that are impossible to fill, even the love of someone else. When you spoke so sweetly and and transparently a few moments ago about being unable to receive that kind of love because it wasn't here already. So I'm going to resist somebody that's putting in something different than I believe, or I'm going to latch on to them, hoping that their belief will eventually override mine. Yeah. And my partner and I, you know, we're coming up on 10 years in the very beginning, discussed that in our first year. And it's something we still keep visiting. I can never love you enough to make up for what you don't love about you. Yeah. 
And we got to know that. We got to know that because there's going to be times when we're going to want to lean on that. And there's a dance in there that we can be with each other in that is my job isn't to love you enough to make up for that. My job is to love you enough that like you finally realize, hey, maybe you want to get on my train. <laughs> yeah. Maybe I try this on like falling in love with you because you're freaking amazing. But I can say it and say it and say it and say it. And I can temporarily quiet things for someone else. But it'll come back if the if it's not an inside out job. So that knowing self increases mm -hmm. the possibility of the happiness. And uh, was it the five five powers episode you had? Yes. Right. Yes. Like that that distinction between yes. happiness and bliss. Yes. Yes. Yeah. The bliss is what becomes now an option. Like happy, sure, but when is it a bliss? <laughs> Give me a little bliss. <laughs> yeah. It's. I feel like I keep going and going. I, there's. Um, I just want to respond one one last thing because I love how you're talking about your relationship with your partner. Because my husband and I, same thing. We have these conversations often, and I. I recognize for me that my job is to love myself as much as I can. And again, if I go back to that definition of love, love is a perception, the ability to perceive my true nature. My job is to perceive my true nature to the best of my ability so that when I look at my husband, I can perceive his true nature. Oh, yeah, that's so great. Which is so for him sometimes... And me too, you know, of my own true nature, it's clouded by our own, as you're saying, our thoughts, our beliefs or whatever. But if we do the practice, if we use our tools, the right tool for the right goal and do these practices consistently and, and do them, it doesn't matter because our center of gravity starts to move to that, that place. Yeah, sometimes I might hop over, be over here and feel, still feel that little bit of not good enough, unworthy thing. But most of the time I'm centered here where I can, mm. I can see, perceive my true nature and in perceiving my true nature, I can easily perceive your true nature as the divinity expressed in you, through you, as you, you are not your body. You are not the stories that you have about you you're not the stories I have about you, any of that. So, God, yeah, so just... great. And if I like part of what I bring to uh, my relationship is that it's my quick reminder, because if I'm not loving me, I'm making him wrong for loving me. In mm -hmm. fact, I will. You look so beautiful. Oh, please. I didn't even put on makeup. And do you not see how the wrinkled I am? And, 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 and you know, yeah. <laughs> and if I'm not loving me, I'm not being the prize he deserves. Yeah. And, and that's my goal in relationship, be his prize. And when I keep that focus, then loving me is part of our union, not I, it's it doesn't become a me or him conversation. It becomes a me and him conversation. Yeah which I, you know, which I just gets, you just brought that to mind and what you were describing. And, and again, in, the, in, in your marriage, because that whole, if I keep these parts of me that I don't believe are lovable away or tucked under or shamed or, and then I'm just going to put out the, Hey, but Hey, but look over here, look, look at all the good stuff and keep this stuff secret. If I'm not unconditionally loving all of me, I'm always going to be lonely in relationship. Yeah. Yeah. 
and that kind of work to embrace all of that, including the things I might currently want to transform. I do not, I'm not a huge fan of my judgmentalism, but if I don't love, if I don't love all of me, including the judgmental part, the chances of me transforming that judgmental part dramatically goes down. Right. So transforming it with love from love, again, just increases the success. Absolutely. I'm going to put up your book one more time and just encourage everyone to get Mary Jo's book, Practical Inspirations. And you you just got a taste, a little tiny taste of what's in the book in our conversation here. And as you can tell, Mary Jo just has such a wealth of wisdom, a huge heart and a lot of humor and wit you'll find in this book as well. So if you're like, we me, have it, why not? <laughs> Don't you love the way, like, you know, and again, to hear the, the old masters when they would laugh, or if you've ever heard the Dalai Lama laugh, or, you know, I mean like yeah. that, that whole, the divine laughs. Yes. There yes. is joy in it, including the absurdity of our human condition. Like, yeah, and laughing that's why sometimes lubrication. That's what you say <laughs> in your book. <laughs> and why are we so committed to changing? Let's, for let's lube it up. Let's Mary lube jo. it up, baby. Make it slippery so we can get through it together. And um, being with this in you again, that reminder of, hey, when I'm in this stuff, it's really lovely to do it in the company of somebody like you, who's doing their own thing too. So mm. I've got the I you that becomes now the safety in the we because that that's uh it's just so comforting beautiful mary joe laura thank you so much for being a guest on the karmic warrior podcast i hope to have you back anytime this was so much fun and to all you viewers and listeners thank you so much for joining us today until next time namaste